Section 18 of the Natural History, Volume 5. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Christy Carpenter. The Natural History, Volume 5, by Pliny the Elder. Translated by John Bostock and Henry Thomas Riley. Section 18, Book 24, Chapters 22 to 43. Chapter 22, Resins, 22 Remedies. In treating, first of wines, and then of trees, we have stated that resin is the produce of the trees above mentioned, and have described the several varieties of it, and the countries in which they are respectively produced. There are two principal kinds of resin, the dry and the liquid. The dry resins are extracted from the pine and the pitch tree, the liquid from the terebinth, the larch, the lentisk, and the cypress, these last producing it in the province of Asia and in Syria. It is an error to suppose that the resin of the pitch tree is the same as that of the larch, for the pitch tree yields an unctuous resin and of the same consistency as frankincense, while that of the larch is thin, like honey in color, and of a powerful odor. It is but very rarely that medical men make use of liquid resin, and when they do, it is mostly that produced by the larch, which is administered in an egg for cough and ulcerations of the viscera. The resin of the pine, too, is far from extensively used, and that of the other kinds is always boiled before use. On the various methods of boiling it, we have enlarged at sufficient length already. As to the produce of the various trees, the resin of the terebinth is held in high esteem as being the most odoriferous and the lightest, the kinds which come from Cyprus and Syria being looked upon as the best. Both these kinds are the color of Attic honey, but that of Cyprus has more body and dries with greater rapidity. In the dry resins, the qualities requisite are whiteness, purity, and transparency. But whatever the kind, the produce of mountainous districts is always preferred to that of Champagne countries and that of a northeastern aspect to that of any other quarter. Resins are dissolved in oil as a liniment and emollient cataplasm for wounds, but when they are used as a potion, bitter almonds are also employed. The curative properties of resins consist in their tendency to close wounds, to act as a detergent upon gatherings and so disperse them, and to cure affections of the chest. The resin of the terebinth, it is used too, warmed, as a liniment for pains in the limbs, the application being removed after the patient has taken a walk in the sun. Among slave dealers too, there is a practice of rubbing the bodies of the slaves with it, which is done with the greatest care as a corrective for an emaciated appearance, the resin having the property of relaxing the skin upon all parts of the body and rendering it more capable of being plumped out by food. Next, after the resin of the terebinth, comes that of the lentisk. It possesses astringent properties and is the most powerful diuretic of them all. The other resins are laxative to the bowels, promote the digestion of crudities, allay the violence of inveterate coughs, and, employed as a fumigation, disengage the uterus of foreign bodies with which it is surcharged. They are particularly useful, too, as neutralizing the effects of mistletoe, and, 
mixed with bull suet and honey, they are curative of inflamed tumors and affections of a similar nature. The resin of the lentisk is very convenient as a bandoline for keeping stubborn eyelashes in their place. It is useful also in cases of fractures, superations of the ears, and prurigo of the generative organs. The resin of the pine is the best of them all for the cure of wounds in the head. Chapter 23. Pitch. 23 Remedies. We have also stated on a previous occasion from what tree pitch is extracted, and the methods employed for that purpose. Of this also there are two kinds, thick pitch and liquid pitch. Of the several varieties of thick pitch, the most useful for medicinal purposes is that of brutium, for being both extremely unctuous and very resinous, it reunites the properties both of resin and of pitch, that of a yellow-reddish color being the most highly esteemed. As the statement made in addition to this, that the produce of the male tree is the best, I do not believe that any such distinction is at all possible. Pitch is of a warming, cicatrizing tendency. Mixed with polenta, it is particularly useful as a neutralizer of the venom of the cerastes, and, in combination with honey, it is used for quinsy, catars, and fits of sneezing caused by phlegm. With oil of roses, it is used as an injection for the ears, and employed as a liniment with wax, it heals lichens. It relaxes the bowels, also, and used as an electuary, or, applied with honey to the tonsillary glands, it facilitates expectoration. Applied topically, it acts as a detergent upon ulcers and makes new flesh. Mixed with raisins and axle grease, it forms a detergent plaster for carbuncles and putrid ulcers, and, with pine bark or sulfur, for serpiginous sores. Pitch has been administered to by some in doses of one cyathus for thysis and inveterate coughs. It heals chaps of the feet and rectum, inflamed tumors, and malformed nails. And used as a fumigation, it is curative of indurations and derangements of the uterus and of lethargy. Boiled with barley meal and the urine of a youth who has not arrived at puberty, it causes scrofulous sores to superate. Dry pitch is used also for the cure of alopecy. For affections of the mammilla, Brutian pitch is warmed in wine with fine spelt meal and applied as hot as can be borne. Chapter 24. Pacellion and Pelampissa, 16 Remedies. We have already described the way in which liquid pitch and the oil known as Pacellion are made. Some persons boil the pitch over again and give it the name of Pelampissa. For quinsy and affections of the uvula, liquid pitch is employed internally. It is used also for the cure of earache, for the improvement of the sight, and as a salve for the lips, and is employed for hysterical suffocations, inveterate coughs, profuse expectorations, spasms, nervousness, opistothony, paralysis, and pains in the sinews. It is a very excellent remedy, too, for itch in dogs and beasts of burden. Chapter 25. Pisasphaltos. Two Remedies. There is Pisasphaltos II, a natural production of the territory of the Apollonians, and consisting of pitch mixed with bitumen. Some persons, however, make this mixture artificially and employ it for the cure of itch in cattle, 
and of injuries done by the young sucklings to the mammilla. The most esteemed portion of it is that which floats on the surface when boiled. Chapter 26. Zopissa. One remedy. We have already stated that Zopissa is the pitch, macerated with salt water and wax, that has been scraped from off the bottoms of ships. The best kind is that taken from ships which have been to sea for the first time. It is used as an ingredient in the plasters of an emollient nature, employed to disperse gatherings. Chapter 27. The Torch Tree. One Remedy. A decoction in vinegar of the wood of the torch tree makes a most efficacious gargle for toothache. Chapter 28. The Lentisk. 22 Remedies. The seed, bark, and tear-like juices of the lentisk are diuretics and act astringently upon the bowels. A decoction of them, used as a fomentation, is curative of serpiginous sores and is applied topically for humid ulcerations and erysipelas. It is employed also as a colutory for the gums. The teeth are rubbed with the leaves in cases of toothache, and they are rinsed with a decoction of the leaves when loose. This decoction has the effect also of staining the hair. The gum of this tree is useful for diseases of the rectum, and all cases in which desiccatives and calorifics are needed. A decoction too of the gum is good for the stomach, acting as a carminative and diuretic. It is applied also to the head in cases of headache with polenta. The more tender of the leaves are used as an application for inflammations of the eyes. The mastic produced by the lentisk is used as a bandoline for the hairs of the eyelids, in compositions for giving a plumpness to the face, and in cosmetics for smoothing the skin. It is employed for spitting of blood and for inveterate coughs, as well as all those purposes for which gum acacia is in request. It is used also for the cure of excoriations, which are fomented either with the oil extracted from the seed, mixed with wax, or else with a decoction of the leaves in oil. Fomentations, too, are made of a decoction of it in water for diseases of the male organs. I know for a fact that in the illness of Concidia, the daughter of M. Servilius, a personage of consular rank, her malady, which had long resisted all the more severe methods of treatment, was at last successfully treated with the milk of goats that had been fed upon the leaves of the lentisk. Chapter 29. The Plane Tree, 25 Remedies. The plane tree neutralizes the bad effects of bites inflicted by the bat. The excrescences of this tree, taken in doses of four denarii, in wine, act as an antidote to the venom of serpents of all kinds and of scorpions, and are curative of burns. Pounded with strong vinegar, squill vinegar in particular, they arrest hemorrhage of every kind, and with the addition of honey, they remove freckles, carcinomatous sores, and black spots of long standing on the skin. The leaves again, and the bark of this tree, are used in the form of liniments for gatherings and superations, and a decoction of them is employed for a similar purpose. A decoction of the bark in vinegar is remedial for affections of the teeth, and the more tender of the leaves boiled in white wine, are good for the eyes. The down which grows upon the leaves is injurious to both the ears and eyes. 
the ashes of the excrescences of this tree heal such parts of the body as have been burnt or frostbitten. The bark, taken in wine, reduces the inflammation caused by the stings of scorpions. Chapter 30. The Ash. Five Remedies. We have already made some mention of the virtues possessed by the ash as an antidote to the venom of serpents. The seed of it is enclosed in follicles, which are good for diseases of the liver and, in combination with wine, for pains in the sides. They are employed also for drawing off the water in dropsy. They have the property, too, of diminishing obesity and of gradually reducing the body to a state of comparative emaciation, the follicles being pounded in wine and administered in proportion to the bodily strength. Thus, for instance, to a child, five of them are given in three sciathi of wine, but for persons in more robust health, seven are prescribed in five sciathi of wine. We must not omit to state that the shavings and sawdust of this wood are of a highly dangerous nature, according to some. Chapter 31. The Maple. One Remedy. The root of the maple, beaten up in wine, is extremely efficacious as a topical application for pains in the liver. Chapter 32. The Poplar. Eight Remedies. We have already mentioned, when speaking of the unguents, the use that is made of the berries of the white poplar. A potion prepared from the bark is good for sciatica and strangury, and the juice of the leaves is taken warm for earache. So long as a person holds a sprig of poplar in his hand, there is no fear of chafing between the thighs. The black poplar, which grows in Crete, is looked upon as the most efficacious of them all. The seed of it, taken in vinegar, is good for epilepsy. This tree produces a resin also to a small extent, which is made use of for emollient plasters. The leaves, boiled in vinegar, are applied topically for gout. A moisture that exudes from the clefts of the black poplar removes warts and pimples caused by friction. Poplars produce also on the leaves a kind of sticky juice from which bees prepare their propolis. Indeed, this juice, mixed with water, has the same virtues as propolis. Chapter 33, The Elm, 16 Remedies. The leaves, bark, and branches of the elm have the property of filling up wounds and knitting the flesh together. The inner membrane, too, of the bark and the leaves, steeped in vinegar, are applied topically for leprosy. The bark, in doses of one denarius, taken in one hemina of cold water, acts as a purgative upon the bowels, and is particularly useful for carrying off pituitous and aqueous humors. The gum also, which this tree produces, is applied topically to gatherings, wounds, and burns, which it would be as well to foment with a decoction also. The moisture, which is secreted on the follicles of the tree, gives a finer color to the skin and improves the looks. The footstalks of the leaves that first appear, boiled in wine, are curative of tumors and bring them to a head. The same, too, is the effect produced by the inner bark. Many persons are of the opinion that the bark of this tree, chewed, is a very useful application for wounds, and that the leaves, bruised and moistened with water, are good for gout. 
the moisture too that exudes from the pith of the tree as already stated on an incision being made applied to the head causes the hair to grow and prevents it from falling off chapter 34 the linden tree five remedies the linden tree is useful though in a less marked degree for nearly all the same purposes as the wild olive the leaves however are the only part that is made use of for ulcers upon infants chewed too or employed in the form of a decoction they are diuretic used as a liniment they arrest menstruation when in excess and an infusion of them taken in drink carries off superfluous blood chapter 35 the elder 15 remedies there are two kinds of elder one of which grows wild and is much smaller than the other by the greeks it is known as the kameakte or helion a decoction of the leaves seed or root of either kind taken in doses of two syathi in old wine though bad for the upper regions of the stomach carries off all aqueous humors by stool this decoction is very cooling too for inflammations those attendant upon recent burns in particular a poultice is made also of the more tender leaves mixed with polenta for bites inflicted by dogs the juice of the elder used as a fomentation reduces abscesses of the brain and more particularly of the membrane which envelops that organ the berries which have not so powerful an action as the other parts of the tree stain the hair taken in doses of one acetabulum in drink they are diuretic the softer leaves are eaten with oil and salt to carry off pituitous and bilious secretions the smaller kind is for all these purposes the more efficacious of the two a decoction of the root in wine taken in doses of two syathi brings away the water in dropsy and acts emolliently upon the uterus the same effects are produced also by a sitting bath made of a decoction of the leaves the tender shoots of the cultivated kind boiled in a saucepan and eaten as food have a purgative effect the leaves taken in wine neutralize the venom of serpents an application of the young shoots mixed with he goat suet is remarkably good for gout and if they are macerated in water the infusion will destroy fleas if a decoction of the leaves is sprinkled about a place it will exterminate flies boa is the name given to a malady which appears in the form of red pimples upon the body for its cure the patient is scourged with a branch of elder the inner bark pounded and taken with white wine relaxes the bowels chapter 36 the juniper 21 remedies the juniper is of a warming and resolvent nature beyond all other plants in other respects it resembles the cedar there are two species of this tree also one of which is larger than the other the odor of either burnt repels the approach of serpents the seed is good for pains in the stomach chest and sides it dispels flatulency and sudden chills soothes cough and brings indurations to a head applied topically it checks the growth of tumors and the berries 
taken in red wine, act astringently upon the bowels. They are applied also to tumors of the abdomen. The seed is used as an ingredient in antidotes of an apparent nature, and is diuretic in its effects. It is used as a liniment for defluxions of the eyes, and is prescribed for convulsions, ruptures, griping pains in the bowels, affections of the uterus, and sciatica, either in a dose of four berries in white wine, or in the form of a decoction of 20 berries in wine. There are persons who rub the body with juniper berries as a preventative of the attacks of serpents. Chapter 37. The Willow. 14 Remedies. The Willow of Ameria. 1 Remedy. The fruit of the willow, before it arrives at maturity, is covered with a down like a spider's web. Gathered before it is ripe, it arrests discharges of blood from the mouth. The bark of the upper branches reduced to ashes and mixed with water, is curative of corns and callosities. It removes spots also upon the face, being still more efficacious for that purpose if mixed with the juices of the tree. The juices produced by the willow form three different varieties, one of which exudes in the shape of a gum from the tree itself, and another distills from an incision some three fingers in width, made in the bark while the tree is in blossom. This last is very useful for dispersing humors which impede the sight, acting also as an inspissative when needed, promoting the discharge of the urine, and bringing abscesses of all kinds to a head. The third kind of juice exudes from the wounds, when the branches are lopped off with the bill. Either of these juices, warmed in a pomegranate rind, is used as an injection for diseases of the ears. The leaves, too, boiled and beaten up with wax, are employed as a liniment for similar purposes and for gout. The bark and leaves, boiled in wine, form a decoction that is remarkably useful as a fomentation for affections of the sinews. The blossoms, bruised with the leaves, remove scaly eruptions of the face, and the leaves, bruised and taken in drink, check libidinous tendencies and effectually put an end to them, if habitually employed. The seed of the black willow of Ameria, mixed with litharge in equal proportions, and applied to the body just after the bath, acts as a depilatory. Chapter 38. The Vitex. 33 Remedies. Not much unlike the willow, for the use that is made of it in wicker work, is the vitex which also resembles it in the leaves and general appearance, though the smell of it is more agreeable. The Greeks call it Lygos, or Agnos, from the fact that the matrons of Athens, during Thesmophoria, a period when the strictest chastity is observed, are in the habit of strewing their beds with the leaves of this tree. There are two species of vitex. The larger one, like the willow, attains the full proportions of a tree, while the other, which is smaller, is branchy, with a paler, downy leaf. The first kind, generally known as the white vitex, bears a white blossom mixed with purple, whereas the black one has a flower that is entirely purple. Both of these trees grow on level spots of a marshy nature. The seed of these trees, taken in drink, has a sort of vinous flavor, 
and has the reputation of being a febrifuge. It is said also to act as a sudorific, if the body is rubbed with it mixed with oil, and to have the effect of dispelling extreme lassitude. It acts too as a diuretic and a menagogue. The produce of both trees is trying to the head, like wine, and indeed the odor of them is very similar. They have the effect also of removing flatulence in the lower regions of the body, act astringently upon the bowels, and are remarkably useful for dropsy and affections of the spleen. They promote the secretion of the milk and neutralize the venom of serpents, when of a cold nature more particularly. The smaller kind, however, is the more efficacious of the two for injuries inflicted by serpents, the seed being taken in doses of one drachma in wine or oxycrate, or else the more tender leaves in doses of two drachmae. From both trees also, a liniment is prepared for the bites of spiders, but it is quite sufficient to rub the wounds with the leaves, and if a fumigation is made from them, or if they are spread beneath the bed, they will repel the attacks of all venomous creatures. They act also as an antaphrodisiac, and it is by this tendency in particular that they neutralize the venom of the phalangium, the bite of which has an exciting effect upon the generative organs. The blossoms and young shoots, mixed with oil of roses, allay headaches arising from inebriation. A decoction of the seed used as a fomentation cures headache, however intense it may be, and, employed as a fumigation or as a pessary, the seed acts as a detergent upon the uterus. Taken in drink with honey and pennyroyal, it has a laxative effect. Pounded and used with barley meal, it quickly brings abscesses and hard tumors to a head and has an emollient effect. The seed, in combination with saltpeter and vinegar, removes lichens and freckles. Mixed with honey, it heals ulcers and eruptions of the mouth. Applied with butter and vine leaves, it reduces swellings of the testes. Used with water as a liniment, it cures chaps of the rectum. And employed with salt, nitre, and wax, it is good for sprains. The seed and leaves are used as ingredients also in emollient plasters for diseases of the sinews and for gout. And a decoction of the seed and oil is employed as a fomentation for the head in cases of phrenitis and lethargy. Persons who carry a sprig of this plant in the hand or stuck in the girdle will be proof, it is said, against chafing between the thighs. Chapter 39. The Erica. One Remedy. The Greeks give the name of Erica to a shrub that is but little different from the myrosy. It has the color, and very nearly the leaf, of rosemary. It neutralizes the venom of serpents, it is said. Chapter 40. The Broom. Five Remedies. The broom is used for making withies. The flowers of it are greatly sought by bees. I have my doubts whether this is not the same plant that the Greek writers have called Spartan, and of which, in those parts of the world, as I have already stated, they are in the habit of making fishing nets. I doubt also whether Homer has alluded to this plant when he speaks of the seams of the ships, the Sparta coming asunder. For it is certain that in those times, the Spartum of Spain or Africa 
was not as yet in use, and that vessels made of materials sewn together were united by the agency, not of spartum, but of flax. The seed of the plant, to which the Greeks now give the name of spartan, grows in pods like those of the kidney bean. It is as strongly drastic as hellebore, and is usually taken fasting, in doses of one drachma and a half, in four cyathi of hydromel. The branches also, with the foliage, are macerated for several days in vinegar, and are then beaten up, the infusion being recommended for sciatica, in doses of one sciathus. Some persons think it a better plan, however, to make an infusion of them in seawater and to inject it as a clyster. The juice of them is used also as a friction for sciatica with the addition of oil. Some medical men, too, make use of the seed for stangery. Broom, bruised with axle grease, is a cure for diseases of the knees. Chapter 41, the Myrica, otherwise called Tamerica, or Tamarix, three remedies. Linnaeus says that the Myrica, otherwise known as the Erica, is a similar plant to that of which brooms are made at Emeria. He states also that, boiled in wine and then beaten up and applied with honey, it heals carcinomatous sores. I would here remark, parenthetically, that some persons identify it with the tamarise. Be this as it may, it is particularly useful for affections of the spleen, the juice of it being extracted for the purpose and taken in wine. Indeed, so marvelous, they say, is its antipathy to this part of the viscera, and this only, that if swine drink from troughs made of this wood, they will be found to lose the spleen. Hence, it is that in maladies of the spleen, victuals and drink are given to the patient in vessels made of this wood. A medical author, too, of high repute, has asserted that a sprig broken from off this tree, without being allowed to touch the earth or iron, will allay pains in the bowels, if applied to the body, and kept close to it by the clothes and girdle. The common people, as already stated, look upon this tree as ill-omened, because it bears no fruit and is never propagated from seed. Chapter 42 the Bria, 29 Remedies. At Corinth, and in the vicinity of that city, the Greeks give the name of Bria to a plant of which there are two varieties, the wild Bria, which is altogether barren, and the cultivated one. This last, when found in Syria and Egypt, produces a ligneous fruit, somewhat larger than a gallnut, in great abundance, and of an acrid flavor. Medical men employ it as a substitute for galls in the compositions known as anthurae. The wood also, with the blossoms, leaves, and bark of the tree, is used for similar purposes, but their properties are not so strongly developed. The bark is pounded also, and given for discharges of blood from the mouth, irregularities of the catamenia, and colic affections. Beaten up and applied to the part affected, it checks the increase of all kinds of abscesses. The juice, too, is extracted from the leaves for similar purposes, 
and a decoction is made of them in wine. They are applied also to gangrenes in combination with honey. A decoction of them taken in wine, or the leaves themselves applied with oil of roses and wax, has a sedative effect. It is in this form that they are used for the cure of epinectus. This decoction is useful also for toothache or earache, and the root is employed for similar purposes. The leaves, too, have this additional use. They are applied with polenta to serpiginous sores. The seed, in doses of one drachma, is administered in drink for injuries inflicted by spiders or the phalangium, and mixed with the grease of poultry, it is applied to boils. It is very efficacious also for stings inflicted by all kinds of serpents, the asp accepted. The decoction, used as a fomentation, is curative of jaundice, psoriasis, and lice. It also arrests the catamenia when in excess. The ashes of the tree are employed for all these purposes. There is a story told, too, that, mixed with the urine of an ox, and taken in the food or drink, they will act most effectually as an antaphrodisiac. The charcoal, too, of this wood is quenched in urine of a similar nature and kept in a shady spot. When it is the intention of the party to rekindle the flames of desire, it is set on fire again. The magicians say that the urine of a eunuch will have a similar effect. Chapter 43, The Blood-Red Shrub, One Remedy. Nor is the blood-red shrub looked upon as a less ill-omened plant than the last. The inner bark of it is used to reopen ulcers which have healed too rapidly. End of section 18.